Hello. <laughs> How is everybody this morning? Good, excellent. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Nathan, and I'm part of the uh, young people here at Christchurch, and I have the honor of sharing God's word with you this morning. Um, today, we'll examine what it looks like uh, when we say that we're made in God's image. Uh, we often hear the phrase, made in God's image, quite frequently in teaching uh, or in conversation, and I'm sure that some of us use it often as well. But I have the feeling that we can sometimes overlook the true significance of this notion to us as people here on earth, and for those who are Christians, as representatives of God's kingdom on earth. First, it's important that we understand what it meant originally to be made in his image. Let's take a look at Genesis 1.26, where man is created by God. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And slightly later on in verse 27, so God created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. These initial verses in the Bible allow us to understand the true nature in which we represented God in our physical form. We, as humans, were a physical representation of God as we went about our daily lives. For me, this is also a greater metaphor of how God wanted and still wants us to act. If he created us in his uh, likeness in physical form, then we especially those who are Christians, must feel compelled to represent and reflect God's characteristics, heart, and attributes in all areas of our lives, whether that be socially, mentally, or physically. God even gave the perfect example of all examples to come and remind the Jews and teach the Gentiles of what representing God looks like. As described by John, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God himself came down to earth to give the perfect example of how to live in his image, following his heart and his will, which ties into what Emmy will share with us later on. These characteristics have been highlighted for us by Paul in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you. <laughs> so, when we see that God created man in his image, man here refers to humankind, the human race as a whole. We were all called forth to reflect God's goodness in all areas of our beings. So now we know what it looks like to be made in his image and what it meant for us. I'm now going to touch upon how this image has become corrupted and warped by the world's view of identity through the fall. When you ask somebody about their identity, what are they most likely to say? Ethnicity? Gender? Favorite color? Occupation, even? In the world, people often find their identity in superficial things, such as money, relationships, positions, etc. But do these things really help build a fulfilling and fruitful life that honors God? After the fall, whereby Adam and Eve gave into the temptation of the serpent uh, and fell into sin after falling the f uh, eating the fruit, uh, sorry, they became separated from God because they found their identity in other things after falling into sin. 
they became ashamed of who they were to the point where they felt naked, covering themselves with fig leaves even though God had made them perfect. Sin caused Adam and Eve to believe that their own identity was greater than the identity that God had given them, which combats what we're told in Scripture later on, that you knit me in my mother's womb, and that he chose us in him before the creation of the world, alongside what we so commonly sing from Isaiah 49, from my mother's womb you have chosen me in goodness of God. Today, the world is teaching us that we can be whatever we please, that we choose our own identity. But in the scripture, we learn that not only has God given us our identity from before the world was spun into motion, but that we have been chosen and perfectly designed to work for and serve God in each aspect of our lives. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Our whole lives, works, and destiny are planned and beautifully made by God to serve as our identity in Him, so that we can faithfully serve Him and fulfill His will, as we sung earlier, on earth as it is in heaven. I just want to finish by summarizing what God has done through me to reveal my identity through Him as I feel that many of us struggle to accept or comprehend the fact that God chose us for his works. Last year, over the summer holidays, I'd finished all my GCSEs, and I was nearing the, uh, the end of that really long summer holiday period between year 11 and 12. Um, up to this point throughout my childhood, I'd learned to sort of live quite isolated. Uh, I had no siblings. Uh, I had no cousins or family anywhere near me. Uh, and I wasn't active on any social media platforms as such. Uh, but I'd, lear I'd, I'd learned to grow alongside it, and I'd, I coped well with it. However, uh, over this time, uh, I began to grow a lot, lo lot more lonelier, and I started to feel really detached from my loved ones. As a result, the enemy fed me lies, that it was because of me that no one wanted to be around me. As a result, I became so critical of myself and began to develop a hatred for who I was. I found my identity in wrong things and forgot the identity that God had given me. I began walking and listening to music to try and detach myself from the person that I really was, as I felt that I was doing nothing with my life at the time. In addition, I began texting my friends, asking for help, and of course, I couldn't find peace despite all the counseling they gave me. Eventually, after a couple of weeks of this, I was mid-walk and talking to one of my friends on the phone. When I had that, you know that feeling when you have a really deep discussion with somebody and you kind of feel worthless in a sense? Um, yeah, I had that feeling. And within that feeling, I had a sort of an epiphany that if I lean on God and if I ask for his guidance, he will re-reveal my identity in him through Jesus. And so I began to pray on the walk, and I suddenly had a vision. Instead of seeing myself through my eyes, I saw myself through God's eyes. I saw myself the same, but I was filled with peace. I realized that no matter the circumstance, 
God had a plan for me and that my identity was firm in him from the start. That I had been chosen to do his works and that nothing the enemy could do would make that untrue. So, with all that God has done for me in mind, please welcome Emmy Bourne, who will bring the second half of this message about how Jesus could help you rediscover your identity. need my Bible, so it looks like I know what I'm doing. Can we just give a massive round of applause to Nathan, because it's genuinely terrifying. <laughs> so, so, like, I was sat next to Nathan the entire service, and I could, he was literally like this next to me, and I was like, it's fine, Nathan, it's fine, it's making me nervous, but genuinely coming up here, not only for your first time, but also being a young person and standing in front of you guys, so fantastic, Nathan, well done, very proud of you. Um, but yes, anyway, so I've now got to follow on from that, apparently. Um, but yes, for those who don't know me, my name's Emmy. Um, I'm the youth worker here at Christchurch. Um, and as you can imagine, it's a real privilege with the young people that we have here at Christchurch. Um, and so I'm going to be following on for what Nathan has been talking about and how Nathan looks at um, how we were made in God's image at the beginning um, and then what happened um, when sin entered the world um, and what happened after the fall and how that image was splintered by sin and that we were now servants to the earth. And as he says in Genesis um, chapter 3, it talks about how man would be punished by the ground in which he was made from, and that we were no longer in a royal standing with God. And that we may retain that image of God um, with respect to our value and our dignity. Obviously, we have um, a law about not murdering one another. Um, so the value of human life is still there, not in question. However, the vital core of holiness and righteousness has been tainted and corrupted. So, the whole situation falls down to one big question. Can this image be restored? Can this image be restored? Yes, thank you. And the answer, the answer to this greatest of all questions is the main subject of the entire Bible, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ, God's Son. He who came both as fully man and as fully God to, be, to restore what was once lost. So we heard in Nathan's testimony, and I think testimonies are a really good way of um, speaking about God and how it's worked through our lives. So hearing Nathan's testimony, I'm sure, maybe rang true for a lot of you here in the congregation. And it often may be a question that you have asked yourself, um, whether it's subconsciously in one moment or whether it's something that you're battling with on a regular basis. And that big question often is, who am I? Like, who am I on this earth? What is my value? What is my worth here? What am I actually doing? And what am I seeking my identity in? And we will look for these answers all over the place. We'll look for the answers in ourselves. We'll look for the answers in our friends and our family. We might look for the answers in celebrities or, you know, famous faces in popular culture. But God answers this very, very clearly, that we are living creatures made by God to bear his own image, to know and be known by God and to love and be loved by our maker. So what does that expression mean, to bear God's image? Obviously, it's a metaphorical usage because man does not resemble like a mini reproduction of God in miniature, like a Caesar on a Roman coin. But when you create an image or if you create a sculpture of someone, you do it to display something of that person. So what would it mean if you created, I said 7 billion, but I think it's now 8 billion, 8 billion statues of yourself and put them all over the world? It would mean you'd want people to notice you. 
God created us in his image so that we would display and reflect and communicate who he is, how great he is, and what he is like. So when this image was marred, and when it was no longer reflecting God in our lives around us, we chose to defy God and turn our backs to him, and we were no longer living out our purpose here on earth. A good illustration of this that I found, actually, about the image of God in fallen man is a car windshield that has been smashed. The glass remains to still be there. You can see in this picture. The glass remains there, but it's so damaged that it doesn't really function properly as glass anymore. And it is still glass, but it no longer represents its original purpose. And likewise, when mankind fell into sin, he became guilty, alienated from God, and that we still know, and corrupted our thoughts and our desires. This being the case, all these amazing things that God had given us are now being used in service against him. No longer were we reflecting the perfect love that he had shown us in our people around us, but that we were being damaged and destroyed by the love of our own self in place for loving one another and, more importantly, loving God. So now fallen man, bearing God's image, responds to divine knowledge, cursing his name and turning his back on him. And uh, Henry Blocker put it like this, which I found really helpful. We must state both that after his revolt, mankind remains mankind, and also that mankind has radically changed, that he is but a grisly shadow of himself. Mankind remains the image of God, inviolable and responsible, but has become a contradictory image, almost, one might say, a caricature, a witness against himself. So Jesus not only came to restore this image and our original righteousness, which was lost through sin, but to grant us his own What was once ours in the beginning and then marred by sin was not only restored, but given through grace alone, not by our own merit, not through our own standing in the world, but because Jesus took on our sin. So once what was defaced and needed some kind of repair or restoration through our salvation, described by Paul in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, we have put on our new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the creator. So Paul's mindset was this. We are in the image of God, and no matter how corrupt and fallen and sinful and defaced this image is, with our redemption in Christ, we have put on a new man. We have put on Christ, and this has now become a process of shaping us and making us again into the image of our creator. And that follows on to my second point, where we're looking at how with this, we have a rebirth and a renewal of our minds. So Christ not only came to resolve our standing with God that had been damaged, but also to restore God's image within us through sanctification. I don't know if any of you can remember, I spoke about sanctification a couple of months ago, but sanctification means basically the process of becoming holy and living out a holy life. So the words of 1 Genesis 27 that Nathan brought earlier are repeated again in the New Testament, hundreds of years later in Ephesians 4. Um, teaching us that by faith in Jesus, we are being renewed by the spirit of your minds and to put on this new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So this renewal of our mind isn't us trying to figure out what we should be doing better or what we should be doing best or how can we tick this box and how can we do this, almost treating God like an agony aunt to try and keep us away from the cliff edge, but more, who should I be? Who am I trying to be? Jen Wilkin, who's an author, wrote a fantastic book on this particular subject where she said that God is more concerned about the decision maker than the decision itself. Our poor decisions don't define us. And I know, 
fair to say that all of us at some point have probably made some poor decisions, but that doesn't define us. That doesn't define who we are with God. But more, we should be looking at the faithfulness of God to restore those skewed images from before. We can't fix our image. We can't do anything about it. We can't um, try and tick all the boxes, um, say all the right things, read all the right books, um, you know, and like listen to all the right podcasts or listen to the best preachers in the world. Actually, you know, that can't be done by our own standing. And that's what's so wonderful and so heart-stirring about this particular change in us. Not only is it what God intended for us from the very, very beginning, but even with our own efforts, it will never, ever succeed through our own. But because of how much God loves us and what Jesus has laid down for us, we can fully see how much God can change us and how much that spurs us on to change more. So when you know who you are, you know what to do. And we might look back on our past mistakes and feel ourselves weighed down by it. So for me personally, I've made plenty of poor decisions and mistakes in my life. And I remember going through a period of my life of, you know, like when you've done something really bad or you've done something that's like makes you kind of go Ugh, inside and you'll be like washing up or you'll be going for a walk or you'll be shopping in Tesco's. And you, for no apparent reason, you'll suddenly remember that moment that was really cringy and awful. And you're just like, oh, no, that was bad. That was a really bad time. Um, and it makes you just suddenly get this shame that kind of completely takes over you. And then you sort of sit in it and you kind of get weighed down by it. It's almost like someone's put a rock in your backpack And then you can do that on a regular basis, almost day by day, to the point where your rucksack is so laden down that everything else you're doing seems to be hard work because you no longer feel like you have kind of any energy or self-worth to believe the things that God is telling you because the enemy is just plopping in another rock, another stone, just weighing you down because that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to be weighed down by your past mistakes. He wants to remind you on a daily basis that you're a sinful person so that you turn away from God because you don't feel good enough and that backpack will continue to get heavier and heavier. And I'm sure that's happened for a lot of us. But the more we see ourselves as God sees us, like Nathan said in his testimony, the more we see ourselves as God sees us and who we are in Christ, the less it matters who you were and the new you will shine through. And so in salvation, which is when you put your faith in Jesus, two things happen. Our image is restored, and we see the glory of God again. And that defilement that had gone all over the image of yourself gets wiped off gradually, and we begin to reflect God again. So being bearers of the image of God means that we image God. We reflect God. We think, we live, we feel, we speak in a way that draws attention to the glory of God. And Christ is the image, the singular lamp from which the glory of God streams into his world. And we are remade in God's image after Christ's likeness to glorify God as we increasingly become like Christ. And this will happen in Christ. And that is certain. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also now shall bear the image of the man of heaven. And as we mentioned in Colossians 3, I'll say it again. In Christ, we put off our old self with its practices and put on our new self. We are being renewed in the knowledge that after the image of its creator. And only God's character can provide a sure foundation for this righteous life. And Jesus anticipates our role as restored image bearers when he says, in the same way, this is in Matthew 5, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is what images do. They shine, they display. So are we displaying Christ-like attributes to those around us, for those who are here or who are Christians? 
are you doing that? Like, are you, you know, being image bearers? Are you shining a light in people's lives when things are difficult? Are you showing Christ-like attributes in what you're doing? Are you acting and speaking and thinking in a way that when people look at you, they're like, something's different about this person. They're not responding how the world responds to this. I want to know more about this. I want to know more about this person. And the more you shine, the more people are drawn to you. So we have this amazing truth spoken over us, designed by God as his special representatives in the world, and not just in creation, but now as recreated ones in Christ. We humans are living, breathing, speaking, singing, moving images, representing the invisible God in his world so that the others will remember and praise him. And so while some of us might be trying to find God's will for our lives or our purpose or our identity, God never hides it from us. He isn't withholding that information from us. And through being image bearers, we can see the life that God intends for us. But because of the restoration in Christ, our image has been restored. And we can now, knowing that we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, can make good decisions for the purpose of glorifying God. We are surrounded constantly by a barricade or versions of our apparent best selves in today's culture whether that's through our looks our clothes our friendships our jobs our you know how seen and popular we are at school or at work what people say about us what people think about us what we say about ourselves we are constantly told that our best version of ourselves is out there somewhere you just need to do this or you need to lose this weight or you need to join this group or you need to read this article and you will suddenly discover the best version of yourself but all these things will fade and they will change and they will alter and the goalposts will move they will they will change I don't look and dress the same way as I did 10 years ago because you know culture has changed because culture does change constantly but God doesn't Like, God doesn't change, and, you know, our best selves can be found in him because we know that the goalposts are not going to move. So the image that we had had been distorted and had been defaced by sin, and worldly things around us have been telling us the wrong version of ourselves are out there. But when you come to know Jesus, this image is restored, and the truth that God speaks over you will be with you all the time and that will be able to root you in difficult times so the image is restored and the truth that God speaks over you will be with you all the time and you can root yourself in that so I want to invite the band up if that's all right so this holiness that starts within us when we become Christians means not simply making better decisions but also trying to become the best version of ourselves it re-images us Put simply, God's will for our lives is more to be more like Christ. God's will in your life is that where the cracks were formed in the image that we bore, that these will be restored through the grace of Christ and that we might once again represent him or here on earth as we were supposed to do, as we were created to do. And Christ is both our model and our guidance. We're not doing this on our own. He's not expecting us to go out and he's just going to leave us to it. Like He is our guide and he is our model. He's our perfect example of it. So we don't walk this path alone. And as Timothy Keller put it, and I'm going to finish on this, we shouldn't be saying my identity is built on being a good person. But what the gospel says, and that is this, my identity is not built on my own record, on my own performance, but on Christ. Say that again. My identity is not built on being a good person, but on what the gospel says, and that is that my identity is not built on my record or my performance, but on Christ's. 
So for any of you out there who, I'm going to pray two prayers now. So if everyone can close their eyes and I'm just going to pray this over us. So for any of you out there who um, maybe aren't Christians, you've um, either walked into this church for the first time or you've come with a family member or friend. Um, and this has struck a chord for you that you've been spending a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to figure out who you are, what can I change to make my life seem a bit more meaningful. Like we've all been there. And I want to speak this over you that Christ has died for you and he has restored that image and he wants you to come to him. So if that is you, I'm just going to pray this prayer over you and I just pray that you'll pray this in your hearts. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just give thanks for what you have done on the cross, Lord. And I just want to pray for people out there who maybe have not yet come to know you, but have been really struck by this message of the idea that we are made in your image, Lord. And what an image to bear. What a glorious image to bear. And I just pray for those people that you will just really reveal yourself to them, Lord. I pray that you will come to them, Lord, and they will just really see that their true identity that won't move, that won't change, that won't alter because you love them and you have loved them from the beginning of time. I just pray this over them now, Lord, that you will just seek them out and they will come to realize how much you love them and how much you want them to be a representative here on earth and that you have a role for them, that they have a purpose, they have a living here on earth. And I just pray that over them now. And I just want to pray now for people who maybe are Christians who have been struggling with doubt, uh, struggling with understanding what their role is to um, play, whether it's in church or whether it's in life or whether you're just feeling a bit lost and uncertain about where God is taking you. I just want to pray now, Lord, that you help these people to just keep their eyes fixed on you. Because we know that with you, Lord, you keep our path straight. You give us sure footing, Lord, that you are a lamp and a light to our lives, Lord. We were praying earlier about how, you know, we are living in the light. That we were once in the darkness and we have now stepped into the light. And I just pray for those who are feeling a bit lost to remind themselves that you are the lamp, Lord. It says that Christ is the lamp. He is the light. So I just pray for those that they remember that not only have they got a light to their feet, but they bear your image, Lord, that they are representatives here on earth for a purpose. They're not here, they're not lost. You've got a reason for them to be here. So I just pray that over them, that they will go from this building today into their week, confident in knowing who they are in you, Lord. And that is wonderfully and fearfully made, that they are loved. And I just pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen.